God for that. All right. Now for this this morning. Um, so one of the things that has uh, actually come out quite uh, quite a bit in our midst is the um, the question on evangelism. So so as as the church as we as a people has responsibility to those that are not followers of Jesus and uh, more and more that call and that kind of push has come towards us. And I've, I've actually, of course, there is this, come on guys, push, push guys out, be bold, don't be just stuck into your own group of people, go there and find the need, find those that are in need of, of the message and whatever comes with that. But something that is, uh, um, I think that is, um, <laughs> touched me increasingly is what is the message? What is the message that we can give, you know? It's like, look, there is so many people. I, I, I made this example to the guys. I said, there's so many people in the hospitals. They all need to be, they need a doctor. They need to be fixed. And we all rush to the hospitals. So they all gather people in the hospitals. Wonderful. We're so bold. And then all that we have is a couple of Bernardus. No matter what's wrong, it just... And uh, I think, you know, a large part of how we understand the message that we carry, that which set us apart, you know, will firstly direct or reflect on who you are as a Christian, but also will reflect in the way that you go out, in the way that you live, in the way that you encounter other people. And so I want to say, <laughs> to, to, to jump on the doctor example, for me it is, it is two sides. We are all kind of, as going out, are in some ways doctors that we need to find out what's wrong with people and that takes quite an art you know what is really wrong with people and i'm including myself what's wrong with us <laughs> and then that's the first job of a doctor he needs to find what's wrong with you and then if he knows what's wrong with you he knows what to give you but again if the guy only has a bunch of panadus no matter what you have whether you have cancer whether you have a headache whether you have a, a, a broken leg, all that he will pop you is a panadu. You'll have some success. <laughs> but it will be surely limited. Right? And I think sometimes in the church, we just have panadus, you know. just So we've concluded, Jesus is the answer. When in doubt, Jesus is the answer. And as some people have said, but if Jesus is the answer, what's the question? Jesus is the answer, what is the question? Now, I tell you what I've been taught is the question, and it's a very real question. I'm not denying the question. It's a real question that is in many's heart. The question that is on, <laughs> on the Christian's lip, or the question that they throw out to so many is, what's going to happen when you die? Now, I, I've been posted that, that question. When I was growing up as a Christian and going to church, what's going to happen to me when I die? And so I realized something is going to happen to me when I die. That's the one thing that we all in common. We all know that we're going to die. All of us here know we're going to die. Just look at our track record. Everybody before us, yes, they died. And you're going to die. You are surely going to die. Just think about it. Every day you're closer to your death. It's wonderful. All right? For some people, that's maybe a scary thought. For some people, it's a very exciting thought, right? But you're going to die. Now, 
of course, in some ways, Jesus is the best life insurance. He doesn't just leave life insurance with the people that stay behind. They actually give you life insurance wherever you're going to go. So I, 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 I was obviously considering it as a young man. But as a young man, in considering these things, I had two options, right? The two options that was posed before me was hell. Now, I don't know much about hell, but how it has been presented to me was you're burning all the time. So think of the most excruciating pain that you can ever have. Now just have that for eternity. All right? So obviously that, I didn't want to go there. But heaven was a different thing for me again because heaven was where God was and you're going to be eternally with God. And the only reference that I have of where God is all the time was my church experience when I was a kid. And if I could think of the most boring hour in a week, it was that hour that I go to church on a Sunday. And I would look around me, and guess what? I could see for everybody around me, it's the most boring hour in their week. But we all sat it through. And you know what is so great? You will have this for eternity. So to be honest, you know, <laughs> to be honest, I didn't want to go to hell, but heaven was not very appealing to me either. And so the question that is in my heart, listen to me, the question that was in my heart, the craving that I was in my heart. I mean, I basically came to it. After death, it's either a very boring option or a very bad option. I'm going to stick with the boring one because I think it's better than the really bad one. But really the desire of my heart, I have a short space of time on earth and I'm going to try and find that. The only reality, only purpose of God and of Jesus is something that really only kicks in to me after I died and so for me I was playing my, my card I was willing to play my hand here I know people would have warned me many times and I know people would have scared me many times of saying look you don't know if it's one day or 60 years a truck can come tomorrow and drive over you right I know that but I was willing to take the chance I had one one day 30 day, 30 years 60 years, I don't know, but I had a little bit of time on earth. And the real question that was in my heart, I could have go for it on the earth and trying to meet that. But Jesus, I'm to be honest, I was willing to risk it. And so I'm going to live my life fully trying to find that thing that is, that is, uh, <laughs> that is my heart is crying for. I'm going to try and accomplish and find all of those things. And then maybe towards the end of my life, if I play my cards right, I will come to Jesus, which is my ticket <laughs> to heaven. Right. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? <laughs> what are you guys doing? <laughs> this one with the TV you must check. <laughs> Yeah, so, so, Jesus, so I, I want to just, you that have tasted the presence of God, right? I mean, after you've tasted the presence of God, suddenly heaven becomes very attractive. It's like, you mean, I'm going to experience the presence of God for eternity. That's amazing. Now, imagine you've never tasted the presence of God. All you had was a religious experience. And now people say to you, you will have this for eternity. Yeah. Heaven is not attractive. Hell is scary, I know that. But heaven is not attractive. Right? 
And so we have to ask more questions than just, where are you going after you died? Jesus is meaning much more than just a ticket to heaven, or rather, a ticket out of hell. And so our gospel and our message needs to be more than that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you guys a, a, a portion that you all know, or most of you will know very well. It's in John 14, verse 1 to 6. Yes, Nathan. It's, uh, <laughs> I love it when I'm preaching and I'm looking at the AV guys as this is your cue and they look at me. And I don't know, I don't know if I'm just really um, penetrating <laughs> or just their eyes are looking, but they're... Uh, <laughs> Okay, I know maybe all of you won't be able to, to read, but I'll, I'll, I'll read it then. So, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Believe also in me. <laughs> Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying. All right. We, we, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, like Thomas is just the honest one here, uh, Lord, we do not know where you're going. <laughs> How can we know the way? Jesus said to them, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to heaven. No one escapes hell. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus doesn't announce him as the way to heaven. Now he is the way to heaven. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Sure. But when Jesus introduces himself here, he says, I am the way, your home, your destiny, is really in the heart of the Father. Now, I, uh, um, I've become a little bit of a tennis follower, and uh, over December... Over December, I, uh, I watched the, at the end of the year, they always uh, show the big tournaments and every person that won the big tournaments. And the thing about tennis, it's got different surfaces. So you've got guys that specialize in hard courts, clay courts, grass courts. And this one lady, she won, which is the most famous tournament, Wimbledon, which is the grass court. And she said, it's just like, you know, you just listen to people say the interviews afterwards. And she said, when I come onto this court, it felt like home. I mean, it's just like, I know she didn't mean it to be very deep. But when she said it, it just kind of struck me when she said it. What does she mean? She says, like, on all the other surfaces and all the other courts that I go to, it's nice, I can play good, but I don't feel like completely I can, I'm in my groove. I'm completely myself. I'm completely comfortable. It's something about this court. It felt like I've come home. And, uh, you know, to make it very deeper, Every human being has a cry. Every human being, without exception, without exception, every person.
and for the soundman. <laughs> Conquer them there. <laughs> okay. So, uh, um, every every person, every person has a desire. Every person has been created. I know we know it, but it's good for us to know it. Every person has been created to ultimately have fellowship with the Father. And they will never come home unless they found themselves in the heart of the Father. And so Jesus went, he prepared homes for them. It's interesting that the, 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 um, the words that he used, I go to prepare a home for you, different houses or mansions actually, for you to come home. So it's like, how can I get there? And then he produces, he says, the way, the truth, and the life. That's the thing. Here's the problem, you know. Um, you know as surely as we have a, a car, let's use a car as an example. You know, I've, I've heard many people that have parked their cars and actually use it as a sleeping space. It's an extra room. Well, or you can use it as storage space. Or you can use it as decoration. But somehow the designer of the car <laughs> would tell you the car would only come to purpose if the car drives. Right? If I can quickly borrow your pen. She's got a pen here. You know, I don't know who designed this pen. But I tell you, when this designer of this pen made it, he didn't think that I could use it. <laughs> but it works. I can go with this pen where my finger never can. <laughs> Pea shooter for those that were school. I did that. This this point is a little bit thin though. So, but we know, we know a pen a pen will only come to its purpose when we do it. But she actually uses it for. The first few words might be a little bit slimy, but from there on, <laughs> she doesn't want to have it anymore. <laughs> so, it, and it's the same, it's the same with, with people, you know. People can have this idea that they have been called to accomplish stuff in life. And yes, there is a measure that people can accomplish stuff. People can, be, people can make money. People can be famous. People can be experts in so many things. And they become good in it. But somehow, somewhere, they will never feel completely at home until they come to the Father. They've been created. You must understand. It's not a side issue that will work for some and not for others. Humans have been created to find home in the heart of the Father. And unless they get there, it will just never happen. Every human being on the face of the earth, no matter where they are, if you encounter them, they have a desire to come home. And unfortunately, they would have searched for so many ways to get home. <laughs> right? But it would have never worked until they come home. And we've got a message to call people home. We've got a message to call people back to what they have been called for, what they've been created for. As sure as I am, as sure as I stand before you here, unless people are with the Father, they will never be satisfied. I don't care who they are. I don't care what they do. I don't care what they've accomplished. I've got so much confidence in that. I know man. 
I'm one. Human. I'm a human. I know human. Been around enough to know that's the craving. It's the very thing that every human has been created for. And then Jesus comes and he says, to come home, to come to the place where the pen can. I will be the one that can bring them back. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Interesting again, he's not just the way. He is the way. And for some people, the only way to get to the Father is to know Jesus the way. That's, oh, that's the remedy there. For some people, it will be the truth. I am the truth. And unless they come to know him as the truth, they will never come home. For some people, it will to come, to, to come to know him as the life. And unless they come to the life, they will never come home. And here's the thing. If you want to be a doctor, you can only give to a patient what you have been received as a patient. I thought it was quite profound. Eh? <laughs> okay, 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 okay. You can only give. You can only give to people what you've received in God. You can't learn to be a doctor in a school. You learn to be a doctor for Jesus on the operating table and be a patient yourself. And to the extent that you've received from him, to that extent you can give. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1, with the same comfort that I've been comforted with, I now comfort others with. And so here today we are almost like this. We are doctors all the time, but we, the thing that empowers us is when we are patients ourselves. As we learn to give or receive, we are able to give. You can't skip that, all right? So, in regards to Jesus as the way, I just quickly want to say this, you know. There is um, many religions out there. As I mentioned, all have their book. But apart now from the book that they have, there are many religions out there, right? And, you know, all religions in its very core have sort of similarity. Religions have realized there's a problem. We are not home. And we need to get home. And all religions in its very core has find a certain formula, a certain moral code, or certain exercise that you can do, ritual tradition, that if you are faithful with them, and somehow you'll bridge that gap. So, you know, uh, a friend of mine, his, his dad has been a missionary in Yemen for 40 years. <laughs> and so it's predominantly Muslim. I mean, seriously predominantly. When you speak 99.9%. And he uh, had a relationship with one of the guys that's a Muslim follower. And so one of the things about Muslim, they've got five pillars, five things that if they could stick to that faithfully, it will obviously, you know, gain a lot of ground and the distance between them and God. And so one of the pillars that they have was, um, was a trip to Mecca. If ever you can, you should make a trip to Mecca. That's one of the five pillars. And this man, his whole life, he really saved for it. His craving to come home was so big that he was willing to sacrifice everything for it. Right? And so he saved up enough money to go to Mecca. And he went to Mecca with a life savings. He comes back. And my friend's dad asked him, so how was it? How was it? He says, it was good. <laughs> but it didn't do what I expected it would do. 
didn't brought him home. The, 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 the question in his heart was not satisfied. And see, there's nothing on this earth that has deceived people more than religion. Religion has become the ultimate substitute of the person of Jesus Christ is the way. And I understand here, I'm not elevating the Christian religion as the answer. Because in some ways, in some ways, Christianity, Christianity with its rituals, traditions, ways, and moral code has subtly come and substitute Jesus as the answer and as the way. And so whether it's the Islam way or whether it's the Christian way or whether it's the Buddhist way, none of them will bridge and bring us to the Father and bring us home. Look, I know some of you are frowning here to me. I am a Christian. If you were wondering what church you are in here, this is a Christian church here, right? If people will ask me, am I a Christian? I'll say, yes, I'm a Christian. A Christian just means little Christ. Whew, then I don't know. If I'm, but I'm a follower of Jesus, and I'm trying as best as possible to a little, little, a little Christ. My problem is where Christianity have substituted Christ as the answer with his religion, uh, rituals, traditions, rules, and regulations as the way to bridge the gap. So, um, So how you see it best, I was, uh, um, when I just got saved, I, um, I was working a lot into schools. You see, one of the best ways that I see how people have come to the wrong way is when Christians ask you, or people that think they're Christian, ask you these questions. You see, they try to stay, they try to stay as far as possible. Also, they try to live uh, as much as possible in the way that they want, but, but still to stay out of trouble. So these are the questions that they ask. Uh, Sir, is, is bloody a swear word? Sir, is dancing sin? Sir, how far can I go with a girl? See, it's just all indications of people that substituted Jesus the way with a moral code and a, a, a religious code. The second one, I think, but, but let me just say say to you guys this i was when i was young my parents did proclaim to me jesus the way but it didn't it didn't appeal to me just because it was the way to heaven and heaven was seriously boring to me and so the second one is a very interesting one is jesus is the truth you know one of the things that happened to the church is um <clears throat> over the years it went haywire it went a whole lot of false teaching came over the church for a long time. And suddenly the church started moving away from its original intent. And around about the 10th century, 12, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15th century, it's 500 years. The church was in total darkness in regards to what it believes, right? And so it believes in, in, uh, um, in saints. It believed, it believed in Mary. It believed in all kinds of ways and strategies to get there. If you pay a lot of money, that's a great, that's a great way to get tithing up. Eh? Pay now and you can lessen your years in hell. Right? In purgatory, which is the waiting room. And there's all these type of teachings that came in. And then in the 1500s, people stood up and said, Whoa, whoa, the church is starting to believe junk. We need to come back to the original truth. We need to believe... We need to believe what the Bible actually taught us. And so people started re, rewriting and reconsidering and re-putting together 
what is true Christianity. They put together what we'll say creeds. They put together our doctrines and put it again together. I used to say them every Sunday. Maybe you guys will remember this one. Ekgloe en Godivader. Die Almachtige. Die Skepper van Himmel en Aarde. I believe in God the Father. The creator of heaven and earth. That is what I still believe. And then the creed will go on and tell us about Jesus and believing that he has died for our sins. I still believe that. And then they believe in the Holy Spirit. I still believe that. Believe in the baptism. Believe in the one church. I still believe all of those things. But the problem is right doctrine doesn't save anybody. And in the church, there's so many people that has learned to recite creeds. And if you ask them, do you believe those creeds? They will say, yes, they believe those creeds. But right creeds doesn't save people. It's still the person of Jesus that saves people. And instead of pointing people to a person, we just pointed him to a creed. No, it's correct. But it still doesn't save a person. I had, a, um, I had this uh, experience, of, as a family we had this experience. Naku, not my wife, she's from Japan. So where's my wife? <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> There's too much pressure now, baby. I can say your surname. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So um, she, she would say, interesting thing about the Afrikaner is whenever they share their testimony, 90% of the time, it always starts like this. I grew up in a Christian home. It's not like I didn't grow up in a Christian home, right? My kids grew up in a Christian home, right? But we've kind of tried our best to say, even though we teach our children the Bible, and even though we taught them right if I may, doctrine and right theology. We've made it very clear that right doctrine does not save you. Unless you've come to the person of Jesus Christ, you're not saved. And so uh, a week or two ago, um, my daughter was at youth. And I asked her, how's your relationship with God doing? So I, I praise God for her answer because it, it felt like she got something right. She said, I believe that God is real. But I've never had encounter with him. I've never had the reality. He's not become real to me. I believe he's real. But he's not become real to me. And so luckily, I've got this, this, we've got these awesome guys that says to her, that's no problem. Let's pray for you. <laughs> and as they pray for her, she describes, and she's not, a, she's not a, a show off at all. She describes it as something like this. The next moment, I felt the Holy Spirit so real around me that it feels like a warm hug around me, and she started weeping, right? She started crying. She, she understood truth, but she's never encountered the truth. I had a, uh, when I started in Bible school, we, um, one of the guys that was leading the school at the time, he had a four-year-old son, and uh, one day we were speaking about the Trinity, and he, he, uh, um, he said to us, try to explain the Trinity to us. The Trinity is a complicated thing to, to, to understand. Can I quickly just uh, gauge you guys here? We believe in one God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> right? 
Just for Christians, it's obvious. For everybody out there, it's like, we believe in one God, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. So he's trying to explain it to us. And, you know, he's just, after a while, he's like, he just. And then after a while, he said to himself, it feels like trying to explain to a blind person how the color red looks like. Have you ever thought about that? You've got one shot. Try to explain to a blind person how the color red looks like. So uh, um, he thought about that the whole day. And at, uh, at some stage in the evening, he saw his little son. It was four years old. And it's like kind of as philosophical as we can get. He's like calling his son. And he's like, so Vian, how would you explain to a blind person how the color red looks like? And his son, without thinking, answered immediately, Easy, Papa, I will ask Jesus to open up his eyes. <laughs> right? And that's the problem with us, you know. We've got to get the definition of the color red. It feels like stop. It feels like warm. It feels like warning, you know. And I, I can come and say to a person, listen. You must know the color red, and I teach people the definitions. And after a while, they're able to recite the definitions and everything that is said about the color red, but they've never seen the color red. It's only the seeing of the color red that's going to that's gonna bring you there. And Paul gives us a, a portion in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3. He says, even if our gospel is veiled, it's blind. It's blind people that we're dealing with, and we need to explain to them how the color red looks like. It is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded their minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus. Christ our Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's only God that can open people's eyes. It's only God that can open people's eyes. But I'm surely going to point people to Jesus, not to creeds. I have the choice to point people to Jesus and not to creeds. <laughs> it's such an amazing thing. It's such a powerful thing what Paul is saying there. He says, God commanded light to shine. Boom, and there was, there was light. And now he says, it's the same God that goes into people's heart and goes, let there be light. And the blind person can see, the, can see right, red <laughs> or can see the face. Let there be. And what does they see? They see the glory of the gospel in the face of Jesus Christ. The last one, and this is the one that got me, is Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says, I'm the life. This is the one that got me. Um, in, in, the, in the several I am's that there is for the, for the book of John, the first one starts with, I'm the, the first I am. When Jesus introduces himself, he says, I'm the bread of life. He actually refers to himself as life quite a number of times. Now, the thing that I craved, which I knew was not for me to find in heaven, because heaven was just so freaking boring, was I had a craving in my heart. I was unsatisfied. I wanted life. People, people uh, a friend of mine, when he, when he started speaking to schools, he says, every person has this liver, liver, Jesus, high key in them. 
Every person has this hole in their heart. Every person has this longing to come home, to finally go like, <sighs> and every person in some ways are blinded and deceived then to find, to cure that hole, which really becomes a black hole. And you put success in there. And it's good. <sighs> and you put uh, um, uh, acceptance there. And it's good. And, and you put popularity there. And it's good. And you put money there. And you put whatever there. And just never satisfied until you find life. And so my life, as well as with so many other people, was unsatisfied. Like I said, heaven was not the answer for me. Somewhere on the earth, I had to find that solution. That was my question. Do you know that when, when Jesus says, or uh, uh, the writer in Psalm says, Jesus or God is the desire of the nations. Every person has a hole in their heart, and they crave it to be satisfied. <laughs> They're just blind to the fact that that craving will only be satisfied by Jesus. And so in my whole life, I've been searching for it. And in the day that I met him, everything, everything changed. I was satisfied. The very thing that I craved for, that I thought never, never in a million years would I find it with him. I found it with that person. Not with religion, not with creeds, not with mere experiences, but in the face of Jesus Christ. He brought me home to the Father and I truly found life. Now, it's interesting, you know, in, in John 14, Oh, John 4, sorry, we were John 14. John 4, Jesus met the woman in the, at the well. And, and some of you might know the story. And let me just quickly say again, Jesus goes to a well and he sees a Samaritan woman. Now, Jesus being a Jew, this woman being a Samaritan, Jews look seriously down to Samaritans, but she's a woman. As uh, I heard someone said the other day, a Jew would rather die of thirst before they would receive water from a Samaritan woman. And so this woman was quite unique in many ways because she was empty. She had a question that she wanted to be satisfied. And so she found herself to be married once. You know, girls, guys is the answer. I tell you, you get the right man, you will be happy forever. No. <laughs> but they don't believe it. But anyway, just get married and you'll see. You do, you do. <laughs> you just continue to believe it. I know, Amari, I'm still not believing it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and so after the first try, it didn't work. Second try, third try, fourth try, fifth try, sixth try. It was like, okay, marriage is not working for me. She get another guy, but she's not willing to marry him. Six times she's been married, and the seventh guy that she's been with, she's not even married. She's just living with him. And over time, and her, her, her crave to find satisfaction, she finds herself being kind of looked down in the society as a whore or something that's despised. And actually, she is lonely and rejected and all the things that comes with that. And she finds her alone at this well because a woman wouldn't want to be seen with her. No one wants to be seen with her. She's the whore in town. So Jesus comes into the scene. And listen to what Jesus says. This is what Jesus' points is. He says, he knows every human being are thirsty. And he plays it down on her. He says, listen, will you give me water? Firstly, it's like, what are you, crazy? I'm a, 
I'm a Samaritan, you're a Jew. And then he starts telling her exactly what she's done in her life. It's me and the dogs today. I will win. Huh? The guys should pray for the dogs next time. <laughs> and she, uh, um, and he tells her, you know, he tells her about her history and, and all those type of things. But then he says to her this, if you know who's standing before you, if you know who's standing before you, you'll ask him to give you a drink. Because the water that I will give you will cause you to thirst never again. Eternal satisfaction, eternal life, the cry of every person, right? And every other thing that has ever come, every other water that's not that water, will maybe quench for a moment, but will just leave us thirsty again. Now look at this woman. This woman drinks of this water. She drinks of Jesus. Now she runs back to town. Now the distance back to town is from Skaz to town center, Stellenbosch. Imagine this. My well has just been at Skaz. I don't have a car. I don't even have a donkey. I've got nothing. I need to walk to go and fetch my water for the day. I walk from town center to Skaz to get my water. Now I'm the most despised person in town. In fact, no one wants to walk with me. I need to walk completely on my own because no one wants to see me. I'm a Samaritan, but I'm a woman. I have no voice in my society. I go back to town, the whore of town. And someone goes like, that one is satisfied. That one is satisfied. We are all thirstier. This one is really messed up in trying to quench that thirst. But she is satisfied. You see it on her face. And suddenly, the person that is the most despised, that has the lowest voice in town, gets a whole town to run from Stellenbosch Center to come to Skaz on feet because I am so desperate to have my thirst quenched. And you have your thirst quenched. And whatever you have, I want to have it. That's how you evangelize. You evangelize if you're satisfied. What do you have? What do you have? You don't have my education. Some of us have. You don't have my money. Some of us have. You don't have my popularity. Some of us have. You don't have all of those things. But you're satisfied. Our greatest evangelism tool is when we have tasted and people go like, whatever you have, I want that. It's not an explanation. It's nothing like that. And so she stood up and she said, listen here, I don't know. I don't have the doctrine. I don't have the creeds to explain to you all that I know. I've met a man. I think he's the answer. I think he's the answer for every human being. I think the thing that all of us has been searching, I found the answer. And when they saw, they go like, you've seen it. Wherever that is, I'm going to go and get it. And they ran all the way from Stellenbosch to Skaz. Look, it must take a lot for me now to run back to town. Without my car. I mean, if people tell me now, you won't believe it, the Nielsen is burning down, I won't go. <laughs> I mean, I'll, just, I'll, I'll check the pictures out tomorrow. It must be a lot. It must be a lot for me to run back now to town. You get a whole town to run out. That's power. You get a whole town to run out and go, whatever she has, I want it also. Why? Because she was so satisfied in it. I found the answer. 
I found the thing that every human being has been craved for. So here, look here. We're all patients. And in turn, we're all called to be doctors here. This woman was a patient that received full satisfaction from the doctor, from Jesus himself. And that's why she was able to be powerful. We don't find full satisfaction in Jesus. And even we, we go, listen, guys, nothing satisfies like Jesus. The world goes like, yeah, right. I mean, I mean, and it's not like an act. Look, Jesus is really the answer. <laughs> not really. I'm so happy. Not really. People smell life. People smell satisfied people. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The world smells people that doesn't want. They're satisfied. The crave is gone. The searching is gone. I think there were times that I were more satisfied than others, even in the Lord. And it had a direct connection of my impact with the world. Not the harder I study, not the more, more uh, uh, um, strategic I get with my strategy, the more satisfied I am, the more effective I am. Look at, our, look at our teacher, the woman at the well, Samaritan woman, six marriages, stayed with the seventh man, and yet powerful in the God, hands of God because she was satisfied in him. So I'm going to pray, right? And I, I'm, I'm speaking to you guys now, so I'm, I'm, not, I don't, I'm not so that you won't feel tricked. <laughs> I'm speaking to you now what I'm going to try and do now, and I want you guys to consider, all right? I want us to consider where we are with Jesus as the way. Have religion in some ways just grab the hearts. Have our truth become more on a theory than reality. And where's my satisfaction? Am I truly satisfied in Jesus? All right? Just what I, want to, I want you guys to consider that with me a little bit. All right? Let's close our eyes. Pray. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, we, we say with conviction. We, we don't just say because it's a, a Christian slogan. We say with conviction, you are the answer. <laughs> we say with conviction that you are the answer. And Jesus, I, I want to say sorry for the times <laughs> that we have turned to rituals, traditions, to formulas, even though it's charismatic, <laughs> and somehow subtly lose, lose the living way, the person of Jesus. Father, I want to say sorry where we have lent more on the knowledge of correct doctrine and on all of those things that be bold rather than coming to the truth. Father, where we know the definition of red, but we've so little seen red where we can teach about your goodness but we have not tasted your goodness jesus lord our testimonies are years old <laughs> oh lord and we can quote so many verses we haven't touched you jesus i want to pray there where we have turned and find satisfaction and so many other things and Father, actually, we are wanting at the moment. Actually, we are empty at the moment. 
And Jesus, once again, we as patients before you want to turn to you. And turn to you. And Father, make us good doctors that can point people to you. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna ask you if you want to acknowledge that today, whatever category you fall in, all right? That you would uh, give me an indication. <laughs> Just to acknowledge before the Lord, I know that in some ways I've substituted Jesus for some other things. So if that's you, I just want to acknowledge that today. Would you, um, I don't know what's the best way, probably just give me a, a hand indication. I'm going to count to three and you just show me your hand, right? I want us to honor one another here. We don't have to look around. Just let's honor one another. And uh, let's be real and vulnerable here, all right? I'm counting to three. You show me your hand. One, two, three. All right. All right. I'm going to, there's quite a number now. So what I'm going to do is, I just want this to help so that we can all just stand with person and pray with them. So I'm going to do this. If you put up your hand, you're going to be very brave now for a moment. And just, if you can stand, and then we'll just have the person next to you or somebody come out and pray with you. So if your hand was up, I've seen you. Just, uh, <laughs> just quickly stand up, please. <laughs> All right. So, so, I mean, if 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 we as, as a family, let's just let's just see, um, come around them. I'm gonna I'm gonna um, ask for people just to come around them, and then uh, let's just uh, let's just pray with one another. I'm gonna 